Good morning. Well, afternoon, everyone. I have a glitch. It put me out of this room. So, let's see. What's up? How's it going? It's all good. How are you? Doing well. Just, um, Getting this headset set up here. All right. So I'm going to do an overview for today. Okay. Just a, a little reading of the energy going on in today's planets. See how this transition is going. So you're going to um, a preview? Like an overview. Oh, an overview. Right. <coughs> and with transits? Transits are where everything is moving so far. Right. What's going on with stars and transits? Yes, well. Transits, yes, I figured that was moving, you know. Do we have an astrological transit authority, the ATA? Yeah, might need one. Let's see. You know, get the astrology has to have, you know, if the, they have, um, like, astrology has a metro for their, uh, for their planetary transitions. Let's see. No, funny enough. <laughs> well, you know, that they, we should we should have astrological transit authority. You know, like they have like the metro transit authority, <laughs> so, the MTA in California. Um, I do know that um, there is something about transits on page one hundred and fifty-four of uh, write your own horoscope as well. Yeah. Themes of transits. That's important. I may go through the basics of transits today and read a little bit about that. <clears throat> because we have some very important styles of transit. Hmm. They need a bit of an overview. And I'm thinking about... I'm just going to read. Mapping your future. Astrology uses several methods to predict the future, but the technique we're looking for, we'll be looking at here, involves transits. A transit is simply the journey that a planet takes at any given time around your birth chart. Understanding a transit is easy. All you need to do is compare the position of the planet at a particular moment with its position during your birth. Transits. 
From your vantage point on Earth, each planet from the Sun to Pluto is continuously continually traveling around your horoscope. As it does so, the planet moves through each of your 12 houses and in turn, in turn and every now and then makes an aspect to your natal planet or angle. Even when the planet isn't aspecting your natal chart, it will still have an impact through the house and it's transiting. For instance, a planet transiting your fourth house will affect your home and family life. Although transits are most commonly used to forecast the future, you can also delve into the past which past to see which transits were operating at a specific time. This is fascinating if you want to understand what's happening for you astrologically at a significant moment in your life, such as, a, such as when you got married or landed that fabulous new job. Use an astrology website or your own computer program to calculate your transits for a specific time. You will see what is called a bi-wheel with your natal chart at the center and the transiting planet arranged transiting planets arranged around in it the it in the outer wheel so that you can see how they relate to your natal chart. There's an example on page 156. What to expect? Whenever a planet transits a house or aspects one of your natal planets or angles, you will feel its effects. Can you look forward to a good time or should you be prepared for problems ahead? This is where you need some astrological knowledge. Whether you're simply interpreting the combination of transiting planet, of the transiting planet and the house it's currently occupying in your chart, or you're analyzing the aspect that the planet is making to your natal chart, the combine the combination of the particular planets and angles involves involved, their signs and the type of aspect they're forming will tell you what to expect. As with so many other things in life, transits are rarely good, all good or all bad. They involve a mixture of experiences, with some that are positive and others you will be less happy about. Transits to natal planets or angles don't always occur independently of one another. For example, if the natal planet or angle that is being transited is in aspect to other planets in your birth charts, birth chart, this sets off a chain reaction in the chart, with several areas being affected by one transit. Life can get really interesting when this happens. Alternatively, more than one transiting planet may be aspecting the same natal planet or angle, such as transitioning Jupiter in Aquarius and Venus in Gemini, both making aspects to your natal Mars in Libra. Another example of transits coinciding is several transiting planets making aspects to the natal chart at the same time, such as Pluto in Capricorn conjunct to your natal moon, transiting Mars in Aries, trining with your Leo Sun, and transiting Neptune in Pisces, squaring your Gemini Venus. Each of these aspects must be interpreted individually in order to get a sense of how they will affect you. And that is the basis of transit. So normally used to uh, look at the future, but can also...
look at things in the past depending on the positions of the planets, which makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm beginning to develop a picture of our local universe and the planets and everything like that. And I don't know if I'm disturbed or not, but it's just like this whole thing is a mechanism. It's a giant mechanism. And because of the fact that you can track the positions of things and you know where they're going to be in the future, you know where they were in the past and you know, of course, where they are now by simple observation. Yep. It really it really is very mechanical in a lot of ways. And that um, helps with a lot of explanations of things for people too. It's like a big giant clock. Mm-hmm. And all the gears, you know, at a certain place at a certain time. And, you know, those make the hands of the clock appear at a certain place at a certain time. And yes, it's just like clock. We're inside of a giant clock. Yeah, we're called the universe is a massive clock. That's why time moves the way it does. Okay, so the example I have for today is a transit chart based on my chart. Like where certain planets are now versus the time of birth. And I like to use myself as an example because I don't want to use anybody else's. You want to learn more about yourself. Right. It's like a self-study. And that plays out later when you're able to work with others. Yep. It can show other people how to work and look at their own charts. Yep, yep. So today... Neptune is trying to Pluto, my birth planet. So Neptune is transiting through the house where Pluto was at my birth. And I'll give a brief synopsis. Neptune is called the Lord of the Invisible Empire, which is a mysterious name of a mysterious planet. Perhaps we could describe it as a dimension of life that cannot be experienced by our five senses. We and we can only understand and perceive it in our imagination. Pluto. Pluto is the planet of death and rebirth. It is the end of all things. It is the judgment day. It can give a rise to obsessions or convictions. On the dark end of the spectrum, it can manifest as succumbing to the urge, or it can create an individual who has the ability to get to the core of things, destroy negative things, and bring on healing and transformation. So I think that's pretty um, cool. So the planet of the imagination, the intangible world, is entwined with my transformation planet, Pluto. But I also have Neptune sextile to Neptune when I was born. So they're within 30 degrees. Yeah. Of each other. So it's almost coming back around because I have a birthday coming up. So it'll be there in a few months. You know, Neptune has a very slow moving path. But it's also sextile to Uranus, the planet of innovation and moving forward, Uranus. 
And it's also sextile to my moon at zero degrees. Oh, wow. So it's right on the money with the emotional body. I've been feeling a little jittery today. Hmm. Figure out why. Why? Because the emotional body and the moodiness of the moon is affected by the murkiness and wateriness of Neptune. So it gives a very free-floating kind of feeling, like stuck in limbo a little bit emotionally. Then we have Uranus sextile to Mars. So the planet of innovation is pushing with the energy of the masculine, which is Mars, which is pretty good. It's funny how we got all these, we received all these uh, alternative uh, pronunciations from people for Uranus. Yeah. (laughs) Was it Andrew that gave us that one? Uranus? Or somebody gave that to us? I think it was Andrew. It was either Andrew or Betty. Betty. What's his name? Uh, Bide? Bide. I'm talking about Lord, wrong name. Now, the planet of restrictions, rules, and limitations, Saturn, is square to my natal, Pluto. So, I have a lot of restrictions in transformation today, and that's at zero degrees, so it's right on the money. And then I have it in conjunction with my natal Saturn. Hello, Sharente. (laughs) Hey, Sharente. How you doing? And then I have Saturn square to the moon. So there is a square to the emotional body, which can cause anxiousness, jitteriness, moodiness type of thing. Then we have Jupiter in conjunction with the sun. So there's luck and ego and love. Well, ego and self-presentation. I have Mars trine Jupiter my natal Jupiter so I'm almost back to the point where the lucky star is back that's good you can be my lucky star (laughs) it was that um that was was that Cindy Lauper or um Madonna right I think it was Madonna was it Madonna I'll have to look that up Cole my awesome moderator can you look that up and see I shall. I'm doing it as we speak. Is this, that's going to drive me insane. It might have been Cindy. Yeah, I'm thinking because it has more of that playful, girly kind of feel. Even though Madonna did that sometimes, but yeah. Let me see. Lucky star. I'm, 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 I'm going to bet on... Um, on... Uh, Cindy. Cindy, yeah, uh, I'm gonna see. Mm-hmm. So, oh, there it goes. A song, but ah, it's Madonna. <laughs> it's Madonna. <laughs> yeah, you know, at some point in time, they both had a similar feel. Sometimes I couldn't tell who was who or if I heard them on the radio. Um, with certain songs, because they did have that kind of playful, like you know that that. <laughs> <laughs> That makes sense. I get what you're saying. But a lot of the 80s girls did that too, like Tiffany and um, and some of their songs. And a lot of people, there was a style back then with the with the voices. Lucky Star. 
You know, it's interesting how much you hear about those things in um, music and media about stars and, and things like that. Even like, you know, in A Knight's Tale, he says you can change your stars. Mm-hmm. You know, feel like to me. Yeah, or thank you, lucky. So it's sort of like everybody's referring to the most ancient, you know, going back to astronomy and astrology. Yeah, it's deeply embedded in all facets of life, even though we like to call it a pseudoscience and it's not really real. But it has a cultural significance because it still appears in songs today. I don't really consider it even separate from astronomy now, the more that I'm learning about it, simply because um, it... In astronomy, you, the um, the astronomers and astronauts, they refer to all of the constellations because they're 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 markers in the sky for celestial navigation. So they use all these the different stars and they name them, you know, um, and use those as mar- marking points. Of course, the, the the clusters of stars that make up the constellations, the individual stars themselves, they have different names like Aldebaran and this and that. But but they often refer to them in celestial navigation. Yep. They've named a couple of space landings, too, or they land very near certain constellations or where whatever planet they're at is facing that constellation. It's right there together. Astrology is just for the people that don't study astronomy. They they don't have an understanding of astrophysics in that manner which isn't a lot of people anyway, because when I say that astrology is for the normal person that isn't educated, a lot of people get offended saying that we're we're far more educated than the people of the past. But how many astrophysicists do we have running around here? Right. Or, you know, or even just people don't even understand the, the celestial mechanics of our own, uh, supposedly natural satellite, the moon. You know, people hardly look up at the sky. They don't understand what a waxing gibbous or waning gibbous is. They don't mm-hmm. know the difference between the the full... They basically, people only know the full moon and maybe the new moon. But they don't know which one's the first quarter, which one's the, you know, the third quarter and all this stuff like that. So it's it's interesting. It's pretty much like no matter how technologically advanced we've gotten, we still have the same set of human nature skills to be consumed in our own humanity and not look at the world around us. So astrology, in my mind, is still very relevant for that very teaching. Mm. Yes. I see. Mm. There is something interesting going on in my chart. The sun is transiting through the 10th house in my 10th house. But the funny part is that normally rules my fifth house, which is interesting. And then the moon is in my natal 12th. So I'm feeling that isolation feeling. And it's ruled by the third and fourth house in Cancer because I have two signs in the same house. Oh my gosh. What? No, I just noticed that um that Capricorn is a half goat, half fish. Yes, the sea goat. So that's interesting because though um because it's like a hybrid of Aries and Pisces, which are right next to each other. Yeah. 
I guess I couldn't come up with any other animals. <laughs> they had to make one. Fascinating. Just like Aquarius is the water bearer, the hybrid yes. of the fish. The fish and yeah. the human. But it's an air sign. A lot of people see water bearer as water sign. But no, there is the air sign that carries water. Just right, like, like Gemini. The twins. Mm-hmm. Airy, but still having a significant amount of water to them. It's also one of the fixed signs. It's in the fixed modality. What does that mean? When you have cardinal, cardinal are the beginning of the seasons. Okay. So when you look at a cardinal sign, Aries is a cardinal sign. It moves the beginning of the season. Then you have cancer. Beginning of the summer, summer equinox. Mm. Let's see. Make sure I got them correctly. Ordering your thoughts. Cardinal fixed. Okay. Cardinal fire is Aries. I mean, why is it not? Where is it? Give me one second, because I don't like to use the reference without knowing them all in the correct order. Fine modality. I really need to figure out. Um, I got to designate some more time to be able to uh, to study this book. Oh yeah. I've got so many of them. Yeah, I'm eventually probably gonna. I need. I need to find some instructor to take over for me at uh, the dojo, and. Um, so I can have that time during the day, because I, I I basically just you know if there if there are no because I stopped doing classes and instead doing um, by appointment only sessions, mm -hmm. and so I basically just slept all day. Until Hi. Four o'clock. Well, you know I work from nine p.m. till two a.m. and then don't get to sleep usually till about sometimes three. Good, you got some sleep. And I wake up at at uh, five and uh, go back to sleep sometime around ten. So yeah, I did. I feel good. I did have some wonderful dreams. Yes, awesome. I'm glad you actually got some real sleep because you. I swear, I'll talk to you and then you'll doze off and then by the time I'm getting up for work you're back awake and I'm like he only got three hours of sleep if that well you know it is it is how it is for now but I'm gonna I'm gonna fix that I'm working on it it's all it's all what it's got to be for now it is what it is indeed okay. have, no, you, have, have you oh hmm? sorry have you done any readings for Sharente uh, before? I did a brief one on wisdom. Okay. And then have the cardinal fixed and mutable chart pulled up. Cardinal signs are Aries, Capricorn, Libra, and Cancer. 
they usher in the new seasons. They okay, are so the then, So those are the ones that 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 go on the um, the equinoxes and the uh, solstices. Yes, they're the trailblazers and breakers. Okay, and and again, they're what Aries, Capricorn, Libra, and Cancer. Okay, Aries, Capricorn, Libra, and Cancer. Okay, so I'm gonna look at those. I mean, see, that's an interesting thing, though, because, again, this is now bringing down those signs that are helping us to track geophysics, mm -hmm. helping us to track the seasons. Yep. Uh, and so that's, that's very interesting, because then if you know a little bit more, you can then connect those things. For example, which, which sign, I'm thinking um, it's Capricorn that's around the winter solstice, right, in December? Yes. Capricorn is the 21st of December, the winter solstice. So that's the point where the sun is at Aphelion. Yes. It's the furthest away from the, the earth. Mm -hmm. I only know that because my father's a Capricorn and his birthday is December 30th. It's the shortest, also the shortest day of the year when Capricorn season comes in. I like to say it's the longest night. So, the darkest, The darkest day and the longest night. I have played a video game called The Longest Night, and you're stuck closer to the polar caps where it's freezing, but you're stuck in the wintertime. So it is literally the longest night. It's like 16 to 18 hours of night. You remember uh, there was a movie called 30 Days of Night? Yes. I went to college with a girl who grew up in Alaska. She's yeah. a military kid, and they would have... I want to say for like two or three months during the winter time, zero sunlight. It looked like dawn, and then that was it, and then it was always night. And I was like, how did y'all survive? Vitamin D lamps. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy, huh? Yeah. I mean, that the human beings would want to live there is ridiculous. I remember, yeah. I remember in the movie, 30 Days of Night, most people were scurrying to get out of town. And they would get on the airplane and they were like last flights out. And, you know, then the airport would shut down and everything like that. So that's just, um, I don't know. We, we set up all over the place. So interesting. Yeah. And survive. That was the crazy part. She spent all of elementary school and middle school living in Alaska. Yeah. But the thing was they paid people to live there. You got a stipend for every adult and child that lived there. And also it's tax free. Tax free? Yeah, when they went to the store it was exactly the price that was listed on tax. Now you can't I don't know, you couldn't pay me to really live there like that. Yeah. I mean I would I would stay there. Maybe like for example, I wouldn't make it a permanent residence. I'd go there just for the experience. But to think that I'm settling in some part of Alaska where there's no, you know, that's like going to another planet. I guess like living on Pluto or something. Yeah, somewhere extremely cold. We have Miss Charente in the queue. I'm going to let her up here. Moan up, friend. Hello. Greetings. Hello. How y'all doing today? All right, how are you? What's poppin'? I'm good. I Shrente sounds I real chill. I'm very chill. That sounds like I am very chill right now. 
Um, I've dealt with everything I need to deal with, including even helping someone get their mission statement and vision statement done. Because she wants to do a server swap. And I'm like, I can do that. I can do that. Awesome stuff. Um, Since the last time for astrology, I did look at my Vedic completely different signs. All different signs. All different. After reading the descriptions, made more sense. And I was like, I think we need both sides, tropical and Vedic, just together. Funny enough, my tropical and Vedic line up with the same houses. My planets are still in the same houses, but just a different energy. Like, I'm still a Taurus moon and rising in Vedic. Mm. I'm really looking mine up because I didn't save it. You you know, I have this interesting theory about these numbers and planets and things like that. Mm -hmm. And there's... um, Something very interesting, like for example, my birth date, um, my destiny number in numerology makes me a five. So that's like the middle of the transition of going through. Like imagine it's like a life counter. You know how they say people have nine lives or cats have nine lives? Mm-hmm. Well, I think I, to me it's like the, like my name is at a nine. And so like in some part of my, my transit through lifetimes, I'm at the end of some certain part of my life path, right? But I still have four more to go as far as my destiny. And so until I get to nine in my destiny, then then that, that that's at the point where I won't, for example, have any choice of whether or not I reincarnate. Like I just won't, I'll try as a human, I think, I'll just transition to something else. Like I know somebody who is a double nine, and she she's for real like an angel that's walking the earth. Like she's at the end of her her path. Like this is going to be her last life. So you, you know what I mean? It's like it just ticks off. It's like um, it just keeps on going until, you know, like maybe, for example, the next the next four lives that I'm in, my name will always be nines for whatever reason. And then until it gets to the nine in my birth date, then that's, that'll be it. And so just like with people who have things that don't quite match up on their uh, their different astrologies, like eventually they'll all start to line up more and more until they transition out. Like there's all these, these counters and markers. Yeah. I, I actually believe that because Andrea Raquel, she doesn't line up with her traditional chart but she lines up with her vedic chart very well but the funny part is her moon sign is a totally different sign and we're the same moon in vedic so with her having the taurus as well she was like that's why we align even though we don't match on that side but i've also i gotta do her life path number as well because she is closer to a nine than i think she realizes think she's far closer to a nine than she realizes you mean in, in numerology mm-hmm. hmm. well we can do some comparisons sometime there's there's so much about this now that is like I'm, I'm i feel like i'm driving more back into metaphysics these days but Sharente, what's up <laughs> i'm talking about this mm-hmm. stuff she's calling in 
just because I called in don't mean I actually have anything to say exactly right now because right now I I'm setting myself while you guys are talking I was like phenomenal yes and I'm making my chart right now for Vedic compared to the Tropic and I'm gonna take a look at my numerology because I know my numerology too so I'm like I'm in study mode so I'm here yeah. I'm just in study mode and I got the book Sicily oh yeah ain't it good I haven't um, looked at it looked at it but I like the fact that it has visuals it, it means it you mean write your own horoscope Yes. Yeah, I got it too. Um, like last week, sometime it's a great little book. At a good price point too, because I bought yeah. one a bunch of years ago, and when I first started astrology, it was like the only astrology manual you'll ever need, and it's a paperback book. But it was like thirty bucks, and it had a lot of information in it, but it wasn't as simplified as this book. This book is so simple. It makes it as easy as possible to understand. I will already say, yeah, because like I said, I saw a brief few pages and I was like, I'm good. And I didn't pay, I didn't pay $7. I'll just say that I paid for the more expensive one only because it came sooner. And I was like, I want uh, the book now. <laughs> so, I, I got I found mine in Barnes and Nobles on their something called their book annex. It was eight dollars. I really need to go to a Barnes and Noble because those are. I just I remember back in the day, it was Barnes and Noble, and then there's like this. Um, borders. Yes, Borders. That's what it was. After <sighs> I worked there for a short period of time. Not surprised. Not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I spent my birthday, my 21st birthday, um, past midnight stocking books. And they're like, you leave. It's your birthday. Go celebrate. I was like, eh, I don't feel like getting roped into what people want me to do, getting all drunk just because I'm 21. I started drinking when I was 19 when I was with death metal bands. And we used to play shows in South Florida. And they would just give us drinks just because we were playing. They didn't ask us anything. They just gave it to us. No, I'm not surprised either. I'll just... You want to hear something funny? What's that? Um, in my Vedic chart, I am an Aries ascendant, still a Taurus moon, Pisces sun, Mercury and Aquarius, but my houses, they still reside in the same house. That's absolutely hmm. nuts. So how, what tool are you using for your Vedic astrology? This is Calculate. This is VitaAstrology.us.com. I'll add that link to the... Okay. Our wonderful link bar. How many bar. houses are there? There are 27 heavenly mansions in Vedic. Uh, 27 heavenly mansions. Wait, how many are in Tropic then? It's 24 in Tropic, but we also account for asteroids when we get really deep in a chart, so it's about 27 as well. One second, please, while I hold my face. <laughs> Not hold your face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize there were that many. That's why I said, oh, my Yes, it's a full, it's like a fingerprint, like a spider web type thing where you can look at each individual placement. And I spent months just studying one placement at a time just to get a good feel of what each one means. 
because it, it took a lot of study. Like I'm just now getting to the point where I'm confident enough to read other people's charts. Ooh. I got you. I forgot I had a research folder. That's what I'm about to use. You might need one because <laughs> I had to have a couple of notebooks. But I got a transit to read for y'all. And this might this might make a lot of things make sense in everybody's day today. Mm-hmm. It's the transit of the sun in the tenth house. This transit shifts your focus to your career and goals. You will behave more responsibly and start thinking about what you want to achieve, especially in your professional life. It's likely that you will ask for a raise at work, seek better career opportunities, or start thinking about your own business. During this transit, your career comes first and you'll want to do well at work. You may be more in touch with your boss or discover a new mentor. You will also have more interactions with older people. You may even get involved with government. This practical approach to life can help you advance your career, but be careful and wise because this transit could punish you. Be careful about your reputation and avoid all activities that could damage it. I think that's interesting because we have Aquarius moving on through. We just came out of Capricorn, which is the, the career aspect goal person. Now we're going into the transit and it's coming through the 10th house, which is the career goal. So it's really cool to see how certain focuses can shift throughout a day, a month, or a year. I will say it's spot on for me. Because that's currently what's going on with me. I was like, hey, it's talking about my life. Like, <laughs> legitimately, with everything currently going on and offers coming in. And I'm like, hey, that's cool. That's dope. Let's go ahead and do this and be more focused and actually take care of me. So right. I don't, like end up in the hospital, you know. <laughs> right. Stay out. Stay out. Even though that is what the twelfth house is ruled, the twelfth house rules hospitals, mental institutions, and institutions of all kinds. So you might have had an influential planet transitioning through the twelfth house, or influential angle between the twelfth and sixth house. That brought you into the hospital. Might have been an opposition. Because mm-hmm. the sixth I house. Four choices too. I just. I'm also going to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said I also think it was the poor food choices too. I'm oh, also yeah. going to throw that in there. Because I was not making the best eating decisions for myself. Or drinking. That sounds like the sixth house. That's the house of health, working in public health and short term jobs. So and then I, if I remember correctly, you have an open sixth house. So you have the energy of Virgo there and Virgo rules the digestive system and the internal innards of the stomach, like the trunk area, the insides. So. So, yeah, that that makes sense that your appendix was giving you business. It's like the combination of transits and houses can really make you sick. Like when my emotional body, the moon, is moving through the 12th house, I get very antsy and moody. And that's like the emotional state. The moon rules all of the emotions. It's the water. It's the home body of cancer. 
And right now, the moon is transiting through my 12th house. You will feel the desire to isolate yourself from the outside world and connect with your inner self. You will have good intuition, but you may suppress your emotions. You will be tired, insecure, and you will not want to plunge into anything new. Therefore, it's an ideal time to relax. It's also possible that you will discover that you have enemies whom you did not know you had. And one of the biggest things about having sun and Venus in the 12th house, it's in the um, Write Your Own Horoscope book. I think it's page 20. Hold on. No, it's not on page 20. I think that's on Mars. The original chart is on there. But the 12th, the 6th house, well, the 7th house is one-to-one relationships of all kinds, open enemies, and legal matters. The 12th house is all about having hidden the enemies. They smile in your face, but they actually hate you. And I, I'm so oblivious to it. I'm like, that girl does not like you. That boy does not like you. That is not your friend. I'm la da da da. What do you mean? But it's so funny that the moon is transiting through the twelfth house, and it's like you will discover you have an enemy that you did not know you had. It's like, damn, where'd you come from? Who are you? I love it. A lot of things get revealed. And then I have Mercury in the 11th house. That's the house of communication. So it brings about, oh, you have an open and friendly way of communicating, but you'll never notice that somebody doesn't like you because you're that oblivious. And I'm like, I have to do better with that. That has to be a point to change. And I noticed that in the birth chart. I was like, wow. Isn't that some wild shit? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's one more. Mm, there's a transit of Venus through my 11th house. So it's aspecting my natal Mercury in the 11th. Friendship will bring you the most happiness during this transit. It is a favorable period for participation in group activities. You will feel great, especially with people whom you have common hobbies and interests. You will be welcoming and respectful towards others. You may even feel the desire to engage in charitable activities, become a volunteer, or organize some beneficial group activity. If you're interested in someone during this transit, you will feel a strong friendship bond with each other, but the relationship may struggle on an intimate and deep personal side. What's interesting was last night, I saw y'all live on for Wisdom Wednesday on TikTok. That's the energy of Venus transiting through the 11th house. Communication and friendship and organization to help each other. So I think that's pretty cool as well. That's dope. Mm-hmm. We also have Jupiter in the 12th house. This transit will help you get rid of your deep fears, rooted tendencies, and patterns of behavior that are not useful to you anymore. You'll be under spiritual protection. You'll also be more connected with your subconscious and you will have overflow you will be overflowing with empathy and compassion. You may have a desire to contribute to charity, help people around you, and become a volunteer. You also often escape the world of your escape to 
the world of your imagination, meditate, or have more dreams than usual. I think that's cool, too. It has a very open end to it. Mm. But this is from AstroSeek, which is a free birth chart calculator. It does come in handy a lot because it's one of those things where they have over, I want to say, 50 free services and different types of charts. They even do Vedic charts as well, but it's all free. You don't have to pay for anything. And you can kind of do steady with it. It's one of my favorites. It's absolutely cool. I personally like Cafe Astrology. It's been very helpful for me. Um, mm-hmm. Ron gave this one to me like last year. And I've been using it. Who gave it to you? Devron from the Wisdom app. He doesn't oh, really come on as much. I remember when he first got on, like when I first got on Wisdom, I used to chat with him a lot. He did a past life Vedic reading with me once. He told me to venerate scientists. People like George Washington Carver. And it was one more. Eli Whitney. A lot of the black scientists from that time period he was like just listen to their voices and you'll get something from it and i did funny enough i ended up going on the journey of dreamscapes and playing in those and informations it took a while but i got there i love that it was pretty cool pretty cool dude Mm -hmm. i'm writing stuff down sorry Yeah, and if you look in the link bar at the very top of the room, there's links to AstroSeek and the Vedic Astrology Calculator. And it does a lot. You can do a lot of self-study and daily transits with these. And they have really long, drawn-out descriptions, but they help you understand a lot about the charts. Like... You might want to do an annual perfection because that can show you when the best time to have kids is. Like, okay, activated house for this year for me is the sixth Libra. The ruler of the year for me is Venus. Like, the love, action, and what I want. Entering into the soft life, baby. Oh yeah, you've been uh, been harping on about that every once in a while. Getting ready for it, moving from from the hard times. Not the hard times, just masculine energy and the feminine being softer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see. Okay. The blessing. Trust me when I say that. Yeah, I gotta come into it because it by the. My birthday's March 27th, so I'll probably be fully in that energy then. I'm a lot less roar and a little more soft lately. Working to death and more into tech. Noon. 
important. What do y'all think? I got what? to uh, with numbers. Hmm? Repeat what you said. I said <laughs> moving less from moving from working my ass off and working extra, extra hard to taking a nap in the middle of the afternoon. What do y'all think? Oh, you're running uh, so much fun. Yeah, I mean it's a much better position to be in. Get that oh, rest. So much fun. Okay. I'll just tell you about this right quick. I practiced that a lot last year. Not the year, but a year be a year and a half ago. And my family looked at me like I was peculiar, but I was like, I can say this on the record line. I was a contractor. Okay. I didn't actually have to put in 40 hours a week. I could literally put in three hours and get paid the entire amount. I still was doing the work and I was still on call. So I got to take naps in the middle of the day. And my family thought I was crazy. And I was like, no, I'm not. This is amazing. This is what your brain can like get you to. Where you're just called in when you need to be called in. Like, this is okay. It just is what it is right now. And so after experiencing that, my husband's like, I want to have your life. And I was like, no, you don't. You don't know what I had to get through to get to where I have a job like this. It took too long, eh? Mm-hmm. And I planned. I'll just say, uh, me being me, I planned to be where I'm at today. And it was also a prayer of mine. So I'm like, no, I prayed for this because um, it was when TikTok was really like promoting more of that spiritual stuff. And one person was like, um, say it and just let it be yours. So I was like, you know, I'm going to practice doing the say it and let it be yours. So I was like, God, I only want to work four hours a week maximum, but I want to get paid the entire amount. And I bet you, I thought in my mind he said bet because that's what yeah. because that's what happened. That's neat, neat. <laughs> Ask and it shall be given. Seek right, and right. it shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Mm-hmm. Now I will say this in one of I did a birth chart reading the other day about the fourth house. And I was looking at my chart and I was like, oh, there's an incredible, incredibly fickle aspect of it that can frustrate the hell out of people because what I want changes day to day. It's Mercury. I want to say, what house was that? What house was that? It was Mercury in the 11th house. And then it's in Pisces, so it's very watery. Mm. Okay, this is what it was. They doubt their credibility because it seems to them that their thoughts and opinions come from elsewhere. So one of the things that was hardest for me to do is to believe that my thoughts are my thoughts. They are tangible. I can create these things into things. And it's like, where did you get that information from? I just thought of it. No, you didn't. I I really did. But that's Pisces, Mercury. The communication always seems otherworldly or just plain off. It's like people with Pisces and Mercury like art, mysticism, and psychology. 
These people speak with emotions. They have a sensitive mind that absorbs a lot of information. Ideas and solutions emerge easily without any effort. Because of this mental connection, they are sometimes not sure if their thoughts are their own. They unfortunately often resist the sensitivity of their mind. Resisting the sensitivity of their brain will eventually lead to certain mental exhaustion. However, if they stop worrying about it and let their ideas flow through their mind, they will get great Are you seeking any particular kind of inspiration? That's the thing. I never really seek out any form of inspiration, but I'm often resisting the idea. If it's not taught to me by someone else, it's not relevant. That's the problem. (laughs) I'm like, how is this? information relevant and then I talk to somebody else and they're like but you're spot on why don't you trust it because it doesn't seem like it comes from me it seems like it's totally outside of me and they're like no that's actually correct and backed up by science why don't you believe that because I just thought of it what do you mean you thought of it I thought of it and that's what it was Well, you know, that's inspired thought, whether it's inspired by you or something outside. um, I see that happening quite often, so it's not a surprise to me that that would be something you experience. It's not like, you know, there's, you know, ideas, new ideas, scientific ideas or, or great ideas are restricted to one person's brain, right? Right. I feel like it's a, a earthly consciousness thing. Everybody can tap into it. Yeah. Sharente was saying she just spoke it and it came to be. I do that, but I don't have a direct idea of what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like one of those people, I just have just enough light for the path that I'm on. And people are like, Look long-term goal. And I'm like, my life will change in 20 minutes. There's not a long-term goal that can be set in stone and said out loud that will not change. Like people with more fixed modalities. Like I think, Sharente, you're a Leo son, right? Yes. Okay. Leo is a fixed fire sign. So whatever you speak you already have a clear path to it. Like you have the full spectrum of where you want to go and where you want to be. And I had to stop counting the fact that my spirit, I'm very free spirited in that aspect as a bad thing because people try to get me to be concrete in all of my goals. And I'm like, I can't have a concrete goal because I'd have just enough light for the path that I'm on. I can say I want to do something, but it will, it won't come to fruition the same way. Like the manifestations have their own modalities. Like when I look at the, the charts of people that have been able to manifest long-term goals, I see a lot of cancers that are able to do it. A lot of Leos, Aquarians, and Geminis. And that's simply because of the communication style. That's the way they can get it. But since mine 
doesn't feel like it comes from me, I'm guided to go in certain directions, not necessarily saying what my trajectory is. Because every time I say I have a trajectory and this is what I'm going to do, the universe is like, nope, <laughs> you going left. God damn it. I tried to go right. It makes sense. I will say this is that for me, personally speaking, I write it down, things happen. So like my vision board, I, um, I've done that four times. And I'm on my my, here, my fourth one. I'm really happy about it. And then I will say this is that just to give you know, for Vedic, just so you're aware, it's Cancer, um, Capricorn, and Scorpio. So you're still a master manifester on yes, that. Yes, and that's why I said <laughs> it's like, very fixed energy. Fixed people can put a concrete goal down and put roots down and go. Not me. <laughs> Like I have, I've done vision boards and wrote out things years and years ago. The only one that's coming to fruition is the main goal of being some form of teacher. But now I'm coming into the Taurus moon, the only fixed sign I got in Vedic. And that is showing me agriculture. Because if you look in the Ratchon horoscope book, this associations with um let's see the association i'm gonna have to dip i love you and i'll talk to you later because i think you're going to be done by the time I, i'm done uh, later Shante. Later. i appreciate you coming in okay so the things what i was just talking about with certain planets and big modalities we have the only thing that has been able to stay fixed within my chart is the agriculture, architecture, elderly people, frozen places and things, mountains, lonely places, osteopathy, and customs and traditions. And that's only been able to stay the same because those are the only fixed modalities within my chart. So it has a different feel to it. Like I've been around people like you. You have a mutable energy, but you can set forth and finish things by yourself type thing. Yeah, I um, I definitely have a lot of... I mean, but the mutability, because like, um, Virgo's a mutable sign, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but I have noticed that the, the ability to shift and transform is... Uh, exactly what allows me to manifest things because um, I'm adaptable. Very much so. With me being cardinal and having so many cardinal and mutable points, I can set out to achieve a goal. Like I will put something in the GPS. It's as simple as, okay, I'm going to put something in the GPS. I'm going to go this direct route, right? I'm going to have three detours, possibly a wreck, and, well, it'll be a wreck in front of me. It's going to rain. I'm going to have to take an alternate path. So I have to follow the wateriness, the, the transition part, more so than the concrete, putting my nails in the ground, walking. And it, it used to frustrate me because my intuition used to be a lot stronger, and I dulled it down to avoid 
I basically fell into the idea that I had to set out concrete goals and vision boards and finish my vision as it was set out, not realizing that wasn't even the way my modality worked. Like everybody has a separate modality and that's general advice for people that are manifestors in that aspect, but I don't have that. I'm supposed to go with the flow like water, be more mutable be more pliable because if I don't I'm going to get stuck every time and that's in every form of relationship, every form of partnership, every form of work, every form of goal because I used to get really really angry with myself why can't you just stick to anything why won't anything just stick I don't have a fixed modality it's not supposed to stick anything that sticks in water sinks to the bottom gotta be able to stay afloat so you said anything that sticks in water sinks to the bottom? Like if you put a rock in water with yeah. a concrete solid point, it's going to sink to the bottom. It won't be achieved. But if you put something like a cork in water, it floats and it goes downstream and it flows where it's supposed to be. I was trying to force myself to be a rock when I'm really like a life raft, a buoy or a piece of cork. I'm supposed to float in the flow, not being concrete. So every time I force myself to stick to a routine, a habit, and it's not within the flow of where I'm supposed to be, it sinks to the bottom like a rock. It's almost impossible. And if it is possible, you remember how we were talking about the 10th house aspects, what kind of work would be absolutely teeth pulling drudgery for one person would be calming and fun for another yeah i remember that That's in the 11th house stuff right 10th house 10th house sorry 10th house so i had to learn to cater my work ethic to the type of work i was suited for like i do well in places that always change like there's always something that's going to change within it but I don't do well with concrete aspects that's more suited for a Capricorn well not a Capricorn a Taurus or what's another one I just had the modalities of Sign modalities. You know, I'm fascinated by a few things. Like, um, you know, in, in the traditional tarot, the pentacles, right? Mm-hmm. The pentacles hold the earth signs, right? Yes. And so pentacles hold the earth signs. And you remember, just like, it was just a coincidence to me that the black tarot deck that I got happened to be in the bookstore and I looked at it, the, the back of the box is facing so I could see Capoeira characters on there. And it's just, you know, certain coincidences like that just trip me up. The fact that um, in the, 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 the card, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the card for, for Capoeira is, is called Son of Coins, right? And that's like all about like the, the prosperity and money and material success and everything like that. And it's also, Virgo is in that, that suite. The, the coincidences like that, just when they line up, just are really fascinating. Because it just, mm-hmm. it speaks to something that is, 
you know, that has to be like dug up a little bit, you know, and, but it's right, but once you look at it, you're like, okay, huh, I wonder, you know, it, it really also speaks to me about how I don't have a lot of capoeira training per se, as far as like, like I don't take instruction well, but it's just part of me, you know, it's just what I do, and then there's that card with these characters, and it's coins or pentacles, you know, and, and and it's, you know, Virgo happens to be in there, which is my, you know, my tropical sign and all that. It's just, these things really, really just fascinate me so much. Yeah. <clears throat> now, one thing I like to note, cardinal signs, Aries, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn are motivated, dynamic, good at starting things, not really good at finishing them, driven and ambitious. Fixed signs. Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, Aquarius are excellent, have excellent staying power, likes to maintain the status quo, and lacks flexibility. Mutable, Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces, flexible and versatile, restless, needs change, and are wary of commitments. So they're wary of it, but you can still get them to stick to one. You try to get a cardinal sign outside of Capricorn. Capricorn is ruled by Saturn, so they have a certain type of discipline. And if you meet an undisciplined Capricorn, they're going through something. Or they have more prominent planets that will aspect them to make them less Capricorn-y, so to speak. So it's really- Yeah, I also noticed that about my numerology with the numeral five as my destiny is also, you know, hard to press to get me to to commit to some things and people, certain people, and then also uh, staying in one place is not part of that. Travel is like one of the key words of the numeral five as well. Mm-hmm. You'll also notice that when mutable, mutable signs start to really, really like someone, they run away first to see, like, it's always a test with mutable signs. They have to test you to see if you're going to stick around through everything that they're doing or all the tests that they're trying to do or what they're trying to learn about you. And if you can stand withstand that, they'll keep you. But if not, they're just off to the next idea. It's very hard to time down. But once you get one, they're, they have this commitment based on status quo versus actual love. So I always find that interesting. That's why I've never really, with the way my nature works and the way their nature works, once you start testing me, I float downstream elsewhere. But to them, that's like, oh, she just couldn't withstand the, the heat. And I'm like, eh, nobody wants to be tested all the time. But that's the way that nature goes, especially it's those signs plus Scorpio, because Scorpio will test you to the end of the earth to see if you're loyal, you love them, or you want to be with them. The mutable signs are really, really testy. They love to test and experiment on other people's emotions and figure out what they can get them to do and if they can get them to react emotionally. So yeah. Wait, wait, who wants to do that? Mutable signs. Test people's emotions to see if we can get them to do what we want them to do? Yes. It's not like the fixed manipulation. It's more of a test. 
It's a very testy nature. Like, I'm going to see what I can input today to get an output. Like, Gemini. I'm not aware of that myself, but okay. Of course you're not aware of it because you're not, it's part of the chart, not the entire chart. You also have a fixed Venus. Your Venus is in Leo. So you have excellent staying power. That was just a general about uh, mutable signs. So go about with this. What about in Leo? You have a Venus in Leo, which are Venus being in Leo. That's a fixed modality in love. So you may not do it, but it's very often done. Okay. So, yes, that would make sense because... So I think then maybe the the in the desire not to uh, well I don't know because like for example once I find certain things like like the job that I have that I know is good for me and that like I I like it more than I would most other things and it also pays me well enough to take care of what I need to do then I just stick there you know um, and in relationships too I'm. I'm really just, I'm fixed on, I'm a serial monogamous. I don't really like to play around. It's interesting. So that's the Venus nature pulling through. But say, for instance, you were a Gemini Venus, Virgo Venus, Sagittarius Venus, or Pisces Venus, you would have more of that testing nature. I will say with me being a cardinal Venus, I am absolutely terrible because I can run people away with the aggressiveness of my approach. A lot of people are not used to the aggressiveness. They're like, damn, is there any tact to it? And I'm like, yeah, this is the tact. Do you want to be with me or no? And it's like, uh, okay, no, I'm gone. (laughs) And it's like, what? Because I'm like, no answer is an answer, in my opinion. If you cannot answer the question, that is the answer to the question. That means no. If you don't have that gut feeling that says, I want to be with this person, I want to at least try it, I'm gone. And the funny thing is, I'm a mutable Mercury, so I'll, I'll express that to people. And they're like, okay, well, let me think about it. By the time you think about it, I'll be gone. Don't test me. It's either yes or no. Okay, well, see, I, I feel like that, too, in a lot of ways, whereas um, for, for on my side, like, if I don't feel something right away, like, that's definitive, then I, I pretty much am not going to pursue it. Whereas before, before, I would allow my libido to get the best of me and just go whatever. But for the most part, if something doesn't stick out to me, I won't approach. Hmm. That explains a lot because like I hear you a lot at work and I'm like, why won't he just go for something? And I'm like, oh, it's not, it's not the oomph he's looking for. It's not what he, it's, it's not standing out. It's not a resounding yes. I look at people's faces and like I have short, like brief fantasies and I imagine certain things and, and my brain does this computer thing where I see how their face looks in different um, emotions and different things happening. And so, um, 
and just like what they might look like angry or frustrated or just how I, I somehow get a, a full download of like a lot of things just based on their movement like when people are talking on the phone the kind of arguments that they have or the if they raise their voice or not you know all those different things get kind of downloaded into my software so to speak and and I make these quick calculations and I just very quickly move on. You know how they say, for example, that for women, they know whether or not within the first, like, two minutes or whatever they're going to sleep with you or give you a shot of some kind? Well, that's with me. You know, I feel I like see... that's, with, that's, humans that, that's a human thing, not just women. But they always use women as the example. They use women, like, yeah. Like so then I was going to say anything. I'm like, no, that's not how that works. But I don't see that about men because they just, the guys around just seem to be sleeping with just whoever they can get. You know, they're just like, there's like such a desperate, pathetic energy that I see. Mm, there are evolved men. I've met a few of them. And funny enough, I have, like a lot of times I'd rather someone reject me than keep me waiting. Just tell me no and go about your business. Don't don't try to spare my feelings. None of that. But I have come in contact with involved men that actually can say, no, you're not what I'm looking for. And I'm like, okay, cool. That makes more sense than, um, I don't know. And I'm like, you know what? If you don't know, that's a no. Well, I was deciding. If you got to decide, that's also a no. If you got to weigh out your options. Yeah. And that's, and that's how I operate. If it's not really like ding 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 then it's a no to me like if i'm just not like oh yes that's it right there i automatically know and i won't and i'll decide not to play any games or string people along because it doesn't it's too much effort it really is <clears throat> and that is the arrogance of aries that a lot of people have told me they're like aries women are very arrogant because they feel as if they can replace someone at the drop of a hat and I'm like but anyone can replace somebody at the drop of a hat you don't have to go for the same modality at that time like why is it so hard for women to realize that they can change their minds when they feel like it? yeah well it's you know of course that's a big huge societal pressure that makes women think they have to settle down and uh and just embedded in in women's minds through, again, through cultu acculturation in society that, you know, you have to find a maid and you're not going to be fertile for so long and blah, 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 which there is nature that does happen, but, you know, not everyone needs to bear children. I mean, I know some women who who just can't, like, they just have, they have a real strong urge to be childbearing, you know, so, but some people can just be like, nope, don't need it. Right. I feel like it's a hijack because if you, there's always this thing like women sleep with who they want, but men marry who they want. And I'm like, why is marriage considered the prize of women? That's, that's a real problem in this society. Because if a man doesn't want to marry you, you are worthless in a lot of these misogynist eyes. And I'm like, yikes, I don't even want to play the game. Like if you're not a high value woman, or if you're not what men would consider high value, you're worthless to them. And then if you don't want to conform, it's a problem, like a major problem. Like, how dare you not conform to what we say you should be? 
you are a wild wayward woman and you're a whore and you're horrible and you'll never be good to any man. And I'm like, I'll never be good to a man like you because that doesn't sound like fun. But I'm pretty sure there's somebody that will enjoy my presence. That's just who I am. You're too masculine. I feel like I'm just right for who I am as a person. And the right person will enjoy that. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. It kind of tickles me a little bit that we have hijacked the idea that we are supposed to be just wives. Why can't we just be humans sometimes? Yeah. Just the whole thing. You have to... You have to husband up to be something. Well, in China, it's, it's very um, uh, a huge thing. They have a name for it, which is called um, leftover women. Yeah, like that's kind of fucked up. It is. There's like a whole thing in the culture. And even more than that in China, the word for good, hao, right, is made up of the character nu, which is woman, and and haizi. Which is a male child, which indicates that if you're if you're a woman that doesn't have a male child, you're not good, because it's the whole thing for the word good means a woman with a male child. Wow! Create a male heir to keep the man, which is not even scientifically or biologically accurate at all, because we don't get to choose the gender unless we go into a laboratory. Well, no, I mean, I'm just talking about my, with mitochondrial DNA. Like that, that women are the ones who pass on exact copies of that to their children, not men. Right. They pass on a complete code that is exactly from a woman to their children. So the exact mitochondrial code will go from a woman to her sons and to her daughters, but the daughters are the only ones that are able to pass that exact copy on. So you have a tracker in the female body that goes from female to female. Well, female to all the children, but only another female could pass it on. So if you have a line of daughters, then your genetic line will go completely unbroken. But as soon as you have one male son and you don't have any more daughters, that's why the whole thing is fucked up. The whole patriarchal society has completely erased the ability to accurately track back to your ancestral history. Because it was the mother's lineage. There's a spiritual thing that they've always told me as a kid. You were formed in your grandmother's womb inside of your mother. DNA sequence. You, a woman is born with all of the eggs she will ever produce in life at birth. So my eggs were formed within my mother who was formed within my grandmother. And that's all the genetic coding that I get. And that's an African proverb. What's funny? Well, I mean, African king, the African uh, empires already knew that a long time ago. I mean... That's why they had matriarchal societies. Well, they were originally patriarchal. Yeah, matriarchal, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And then sometime around pharaohs, well, when, when they started getting influenced by the people from different places coming back and corrupting it, for some reason they, there was a decision made somewhere to break away from that matrilineal line. Yeah, because it made more sense for a woman to have multiple suitors versus one because the genetic coding could she could literally carry a nation worth of babies from different men. But in this day and age, it's like, don't you 
dare have children outside of one man, you whore. And I'm like, no, that's how you spread proper genetics. That's how you create immunity. Like, say, for instance, the male is a carrier for this genetic disease. You would need another male to bear an heir to that did not have this genetic disease. Now you've just saved your grandchildren or that lineage of children from having this disease or this genetic marker. But we, it's been a goddamn hijack at this point. A total and complete hijack at this point. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, if, I, if I think about this stuff too much, I, I get disturbed because it's just like, man, things just got really messed up. Somebody really just went in there and kicked over the fucking chessboard. Yeah, they didn't even want to play the game anymore. Because it's a genetic anomaly. Like, when you have all your children by one man, they have just that genetic lineage, but they can't trace it back patriarchal. It traces back matriarchal. Right. Yep. That's the genetic, the beginning of that genetic DNA, not necessarily the sperm cell. The sperm cell is recreated, you know, every, however time, however many times they empty it out, that's when they yeah. get a new sperm just, cell. Right. Or, and women just get that fixed one because, well, they, they're fixed. The, 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 the DNA is fixed. They don't need to keep recreating something from there like that. Like all the eggs we'll ever have are formed within our mom's uterus. When we're formed, that's when we get our eggs, and that's it. So there's value in them, but it's better to spread out that genetic factor. But there was a major damn hijack where we got to a point where you're only supposed to be with one man. And I'm like, eesh. No wonder everybody's so damn sick. Yeah, it's um, it basically amounts to inbreeding in a way. Yeah. Because you're not able to see, oh, these two uh, came from the same... Because like, mostly what's being looked at is the, the the DNA, the nucleic DNA, and not the mitochondrial DNA. And so uh, if people looked more at mitochondrial DNA, they would see people who are related more than if they just kept on looking at the nucleic DNA. If, if if nucleic DNA was looked at more, then we'd see who's really related, not um, more accurately than the nucleic DNA, because you have that determining factor that definitely shows what's exactly passed on from mother to child. But again, you know, big hijack. Oh, big hijack. Absolutely. Wow. And then the transits, because bringing it back around to astrology in Vedic astrology it's more femininely than masculine in traditional or western astrology it has the masculine hijack to it yeah well, it's really interesting and in Vedic astrology we also have Rahu and Ketu Rahu the sun so to speak and Ketu is the devourer of the planet, the shadow that chases the sun across the sky. So that's the light <clears throat> and dark aspect. But the darkness is considered feminine. The womb, the empty space, the darkness, the warm, empty space where life can either be created or destroyed. Mm. 
So that's a very interesting spot. Speaking of the earth being destroyed. Here we go. Now, did you did you know that um that there did I tell you this about the um the Brahmastra weapon? No, you didn't. Oh no, I didn't. I was talking to my friend Dylan about that. Well, the Brahmastra weapon, and or and there's another one called Brahmastra weapon, are weapons that um, back in the Vedic, like Brahma and all those other gods back then, they had access to that could destroy the whole universe. Wow. Like some, Than- like some Thanos type shit, but on a grander scale. <laughs> that's, that's right up your alley. Yeah, so I've been just looking into that lately, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Just hey Samantha, how you doing? I just got to my next location and I just looked, pull, was able to pull up my device and see that uh, Samantha's here. Hello, Lady Shirente's back too. I'm on for about five more minutes before I have to get off and eat. Y'all know I try to schedule in food. I'm going to come back on here and be a nerd and read some uh, technical news readings from Neuroscience News. There's so many good ones that have been coming up out in the past couple of days. Um, and then, uh, and then um, the one who rose over man is coming to visit me, I think. Who? Uh, Sarah. She, her, her last name is Overman, and it's her middle name is Rose. So uh, one day I was riding my bike, and I was like, oh, my God, Sarah Rose Overman. <laughs> you know what? That's the perfect person to work for you because um, she can keep your ass in check. She works with me, not for me. Oh, that sounds. Hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't do the employee thing. <clears throat> She's my business partner, not a subordinate. Ah, well, that keeps it fair. But she still doesn't keep her ass in line. I, I got a feeling. Well, she already does because she's a lot like me. She's very fickle. She doesn't like. She like. She, I, I saw her at like three o'clock and. Like two thirty something, three o'clock in the morning, she dropped me off, and she leaves. And she does this all the time, and she doesn't say anything at all. Like, hey, I'm okay, safe at home, or no- nothing like that. Nothing. Just, just arrives, and then like just. I only just now heard from her like twenty minutes ago. Yeah, that's right up so, your alley. So I can deal with that because I'm not disturbed and thinking about stuff throughout the whole day. You know, it's like she's got her thing going on, and then she's like, "All right, I'm ready to work." I'm like, all right. And it's right up your alley. Don't work out. Well, we shall see. Time will tell. I mean, lots of other things line up. Like we have the same numerological sign where uh, opposites like Aries and Virgo type of thing and other stuff going on. So we'll see. We shall see. But there's a huge age gap. So there's uh, another thing. But we'll see. We'll see. What's up, Kapow? It's about time for me to go eat. (laughs) Yeah, the Vedic astrologer just showed up at the last minute. Kapow, can we schedule a show where you can talk on Vedic astrology as well? I knew he was going to come here and say, go eat. I'm going to go eat. I got two minutes. (laughs) We got a show where you can come up and talk about Vedic astrology as well because we did get some questions today about it. Yep. And uh, I'm going to put together some stuff for us to um, explore doing some comparisons and cross 
referencing with uh, the different uh, divination. I really want to push this thing with, um, you know, what, I ca what I'm calling, you know, occultonometry, the triple goddess divination. So, and, and, and how, using your expertise to lock in astrology there. So, I want to see how that, that plays out. I think it's going to be something really cool. So, it doesn't matter if you're a student. You still have more information than the general public, so you can come in and help. Yeah, that's true, Kapow. It's... um. It's just we're we're workshopping here. Like today's conversation really was very chill and laid back, and we just um, were exploring different aspects of charts. And I was just basically asking Cicely different questions. I'm like, huh? What does that mean? What? What did you say? Huh? What's that mean? <laughs> so, you don't have to have them memorized. Yeah. He's like, I still don't yeah. have all 27 memorized you don't have to <laughs> and it's not even a qualification sorry Cicely but so I heard somebody talking badly about divination the other day about how like a tarot card reader had to look up the definitions in the book and look it up and he's like oh that's not a real uh, you know tarot I'm like what are you talking about like that's actually more real than anything else because because then in the same breath this person then went on and said there's a lot of frauds and they just look at the things and start making stuff up based on like loose definitions well you just contradicted yourself because if you're looking in the book for the exact definitions then you have no room to speculate on other stuff you know what i mean like it's not like one of those psychics who are saying they see people from your past you know what i mean and they're like i see a bob or a you know a jack in the room is there a jack no they, and he's like they never say anything like is there a ulysses or something like that right they right look for like common names but but it's not like that if you're actually reading from the books the 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 meanings that are there you can then interpret off of that in a very a logical way like for example you know i was doing way right like i was i was doing the reading for this guy brian about relationships and when i asked i i didn't ask a specific enough question because he wanted to know if he's going to get into a stable committed relationship so i asked i was like this i said the issue is um brian brian's stable committed relationship for a person who who's ideal for him his ideal partner right I was like, the issue is the, the ideal partner for Brian, right? And so when I pulled the cards, they all were talking about all this stuff about letting go of the past, that he needs to let go, da 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 Then I did it again with the with the runes, and it kept on saying the same thing. He's stuck in the past. He needs to let go before he can move on, da da da, da. And then I did it in numerology, and it was a numeral nine day. And the numeral nine says you got to let go of the past. You got This is the time to clear out old things. This is the end of stuff. And so then I, when I thought about it, I was like, oh, his ideal relationship was the his fiance who he has a son with who left him and he's still stuck on that and i and so i didn't um I, so the next time i did it i asked the question what is the ideal or best partner for brian in the future you see there's a little bit of a difference when i when I asked the question, so those things like that, you can look at and make an interpretation. Oh, it's just, it's not referring to that person. It's referring to this, but, but that guessing game that a lot of them do, that's where I see the problem comes in. But, um, but yeah, but the, uh, but I think that, yeah, I mean, he, Kapow says referencing, uh, is always best. Yes. I mean, and not even all that. It's just like, I'm talking about just reading directly from the book and, and, and that I still do with the runes and with the numerology for beginners, because, um, first of all, I haven't used them every single day. There's been big swaths of time when I've been distracted away from it. Like, and then, and looking at it, that's what helps me to build. Like I know numerology, the basic definitions and characteristics, but 
Um, but that's the whole thing that makes you, that gives you that mastery. Like, I'm sure, like, when I hear um, Nail Fanatic, whatever, Melinda, right, when she's doing her stuff on wisdom, she has that stuff in her head, and she's going off those basic meanings and stuff like that, um, which is cool, but you but you have to get to If she's doing an in-depth reading or a personal reading, she will yeah. open a book. Like, if it's an oracle card, she'll crack open the book and read the description for it, but it gives it a right as peace it's not just random it's very standardized exactly so i don't know who you know what people what people think about this stuff but it just makes me realize more and more how uneducated people are about stuff that they're talking about they're just saying things that they have zero idea about at all and that's what's frustrating because regardless of whether or not like let's just say let's just say astrology is complete bullshit right complete bullshit Right. But a person can't be arguing against that unless they know that for sure. Like, that's why, that's one of the reasons why I got really deep into science. Um, one of the reasons, not the only one, but why I really got, because because people who were supposedly scientifically inclined would deny the metaphysical experiences that I was having. And then when I looked at it, I was like, wait a minute, but they don't even know about the metaphysical experiences or the history or, or don't even read, read a spiritual, religious or metaphysical, mystical tome or anything like that and have no idea how these things are working. So I said, you know what, I've realized that if I'm going to be a debunker or a skeptic, then I need to be full spectrum. I need to know as much as I can about math, physics, um, <clears throat> by, uh, chemistry, biology, and psychology as well as all the different things in metaphysics as possible and the different religions in order to have a position. Because if you're, if you're talking about stuff and you really don't know or haven't looked at what is said, how can you then say, no, that's not what it is? And that's, the, and that's a big problem where people are just ta- talking out their, their ass. You know, it's like they, just because of what somebody else said. And it's like, eh, you know, because even now in, in physics, and I know let's just, we got, got to go, but, um, there are a lot of things in physics and quantum mechanics specifically and, and even more specifically in string theory that um, clearly demonstrates that there's a lot more than meets the eye. And Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yep, she yawned. She's tired. And hung- that's because of that hunger. Please eat. Yeah, oh, yeah I know my schedule. I'm trying to keep myself on some form of schedule with eating because I'll run around and be like, why do I have a headache and I'm jittery? Uh, your blood sugar's low. Go eat something. That's one of my biggest problems. Well, welcome, Quincy. You uh, just missed us. We're about to go, but tune in uh, Monday through Friday um, at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is when we'll be back with Astrology with Sicily. Absolutely. This is your favorite wandering silly goose, Sicily Marie. And I got to give a shout out to my awesome moderator, Mr. Hakeem Molly Bocus Alexander. And I'm signing up for the night because I got to go eat. Love you guys.